Good evening, all. Apologies yet again from uh, as Paul says in the, in the chat, endless waiting for endless else. It seems to be a weekly occurrence at the moment, so apologies for that. But thanks for joining us on a Friday night, spending your Friday night with us. Hopefully, you've got a couple of beers. Uh, and we're going to talk all things Celtic this week. I'm uh, joined by Gavin. How are we doing, mate? How's your week been? Uh, I mate, it's uh, been a no bad week. Happy we've made it to Friday. Um, I've got the way in for the entire weekend. So, like, you, you work oh, all week, you look forward to the weekend, and then you're on babysitting. <laughs> it's not the greatest reward, but, you know, such is life. <laughs> uh, fatherhood, fatherhood. James, how are you doing, mate? How's your weekend? Uh, how's your week been, and what's the, what's the plans for the weekend ahead? Aye, all good, mate. Um, just been working away and get Selic coming up to to dampen my mood this weekend, no doubt. So <laughs> normal service has resumed again. So aye, aye, absolutely. Uh, thanks everybody that's joining us. Uh, I would bring you all up on the chat, but you are just absolutely pacing us for being late again. But thanks for joining us, Alistair, San Fran, uh, Paul McFarlane, Dion, Monty. Thanks for joining us again. Hopefully, you've got a. Uh, a couple of beers in hand, and we'll just get stuck right in. You've not got any fancy wee intro of the day because it didn't upload properly, so unfortunately we've not got that, but we've got the topics in hand, so we'll just get right in ahead. Uh, and the first thing I want to uh, dive into, Gavin, is the the sort of constructions began at Barrowfield for the new uh, training complex. Um, what's your thoughts? Is it, a, is it a matter of the, the timing's not been great because... Um, what's happening on the pitch people haven't been really getting too excited about uh what's happening and and what do you think about the the uh, sort of images we've seen and, and how it's going to benefit us in the long run um well i think firstly it should have been done a long long time ago um yeah. we've heard so many stories about us buying players and they rock up to parkhead and we which I not to make them aware of Battlefield, you know, they're thinking there's a chain of facilities. <laughs> um, and Battlefield was a, a source of shame for for want of a better word. Um, obviously, we've got Lennox Town now, but Battlefield itself it still serves a purpose. Um, training facilities for the the women's team, the the B team, the academy itself. Um, so yeah, it's long overdue. Um, at the same time. It's a pain in the arse um, for, for them having to play up in Airdrie. Uh, I don't think, depending where, where you live and, and, and what part of Scotland you are, you know, it's a bit of a pain in the arse having to trek there. Um, it would be nice if they could actually can play their games at Battlefield if they were able to Aye. build like a, a pitch with like seating for, for a couple of thousand. But again, we know that we are kind of uh, averse to, to, to spending too much money. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were trying to kind of undercut the cost for, for Battlefield anyway. Um, the other thing is, like, I've heard stories that uh, for, for driving to Lennox Town, let's see, in the winter, sometimes like with, with the heavy snow, sometimes it's almost inaccessible if you're yep. heading up that way. And I know that sometimes Celtic players have had to actually train on on Celtic Park um, on, those, on those occasions. So I guess that this will be um, something that they'll be able to utilise, you know, because you've got the 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 the, the training pitch with the the roof, so that will be something as well. Um, I guess it's nice, but at the same time, we're a wee bit cynical because we're releasing our our financial records and stuff like that, and then this is maybe a kind of a wee switch route to say, oh look what we've done. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be too downhearted about it. It's something nice, but um, definitely, definitely long overdue. Yeah, absolutely. Monty's in. Uh, read you like a book, mate. Straight in with the board <laughs> reflection. Don't want yawn, yawn. That's coming again. Don't worry, that's coming later on. We're just we've got other stuff to talk about as well, Monty. So, um, Gavin, do you think it's a bit? I just got to come back to you. Just ask you about the whole like, just because of the situation we're in at the moment. Do you think that if we were flying high and you know still going for a treble or whatever, the excitement would be a bit more about this? Because like everybody's, I feel like a lot of people and fans. Uh, talk about our youth system and how it's actually non-existent and we need to bring uh we need to get back to that and, and and try and be bringing quality through our youth and surely this is like this is like a big stepping stone towards that with the better facilities do you think it's a bit like obviously the the, the, the timing isn't it's, that it's, it's happening now so that that's why they've released it do you think that if we were in a different situation with the first team and in the season now we that there'd be a different reaction to it going on? Do you think there's been a, just a bit of backlash, i.e. why the fuck are we getting training grounds when the first team's doing yada, yada, yada? Yeah, I, I think context is everything, especially for, for football fans. Um, our emotions, especially this season, have been up and down. Um, so whenever things are not going well for us on the field, um, then we're going to be very, very critical. We're going to be very judgmental. Um, of particular news. So, yeah, if it was a, a different kind of backdrop, if this was a, a really successful season, such as last season, and we announced this news, then I think it would have been met with more positivity. Um, the, the board could probably have predicted uh, a lot of people's reaction to this. Um, it's a positive in a way. Like, I, I guess, let's see if you're a father and, and you're you, you've got a, a child who's going to play for Celtic or part of the, the Celtic Academy and you've got these sort of facilities, then it, it's something to, it, it will impress people, you know, it, it will um, reassure people that this might be the, the, the place to, to 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 allow your children to to, de- to develop rather than go to another club where you, you might think that there's a better pathway to the first team. If you've got those training facilities um, uh, uh, Battlefield, then it, it will certainly impress and it enhances our reputation to an extent as well. So I think context is everything. Um, yeah. With the backdrop of the, the negativity this season, it certainly affects people's reaction. Yeah, absolutely. James, are you in that camp <laughs> where it's, uh, you sort of think that the first team's in a bit of a mess now, so this is kind of, I don't know, sort of trying to paper over cracks or, or uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, okay, I, it, it's needed done, obviously. The, the stories about Barrafield being, being run down are kind of well known, so it's obviously needed done, but I mean, obviously putting it in the context of this season, you can understand why why people are raging. The the quote I read earlier, <clears throat> the quote I read earlier was, um, "The house is in fire, but we're outside painting the shed," and <laughs> I, I think that is quite quite apt. But for me, the, the issue isn't even that it's Barrafield or anything like that. It's if it needs done, it needs done. But I know it's obviously for the youth teams and and the women's team as well. But for me, with that money, maybe be better invested in proper youth development in terms of coaches and things like that. I mean, does having a better canteen and a fucking better treadmill to run in is that going to make make better first team players? Really? I mean, because that's what Lennox Town was for, and you could count in one horn the amount of players that's kind of really come through and obviously been hugely successful through there. So. If it needed done, fair enough, but obviously putting it in the context of this season, then I can understand people's frustrations. 
James, can I just say one thing? You know how uh, the board, I think it was it was at the start of this season or whenever Ange came in, Michael Nicholson said that we want to be uh, top class in all aspects. Now, I know that that's very, very funny now, considering how, how things have kind of worked <laughs> out. But does this not go some way to, to, to meeting that statement? Well, to an extent, but it's a conversation we've had many a time, kind of going back the months on the jungle gyms and things like that. The youth development at Celtic in Scotland in general, it's not even just a Celtic thing. Um, it's pretty much non-existent. I mean, you invest all this money, they're no, you're not going to get a 17-year-old walking straight into the, the Celtic first team. So regardless of how much money you pump into Lennox Town, they're still going to be playing in the the Lowland League. Do you know what I mean? They're playing fucking you that open goal team, so you're playing against podcasters. We might get a game in it next season, hopefully. So do you know what I mean? So that that's that's the level that you're playing against. So until that gets sorted and look, that's no entirely a, a Celtic thing. That's no Celtic's fault. That's no the board's fault. It's just in general in Scotland. Um until that improves, then I think it's just no waste of money because obviously it's for the women's team and that as well. If you're interested in that, but if it needs done, it needs done. But I don't think it's going to going to make any much difference to the first team. Obviously for years anyway. But even as that passes, I think we'll be lucky to see any results for it. Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, just having the greatest facilities doesn't necessarily mean you're going to produce better uh, better footballers and. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose that can attract, but it's, it's still, it, it, I think you're, you're bang on. I think it comes down to more these sort of scouting system. I mean, people's youth players that they're getting, they're still, it's not guys from around their area buying off the street nowadays. In the modern game, they're, we're buying, <laughs> they're buying wonder kids for whatever price at, at 8, 9, 10, 11 year old from, from outside. So I think, you know, it's a fair point that the, um, that, that we're talking about the facilities, money going into that, but like I say, it doesn't necessarily guarantee you uh, future prospects. Although you know, uh, like everybody said, it needed done. So I suppose it's a small positive in what's been a lot of negativity around the club at the moment. And uh, and and for that, I think, like I said, I think if it, if the circumstances were different and we were still flying at the moment and winning trebles, everybody would be seeing this as a as a, as a plus. But I think the timing of it just means um, it's not it's it's not great news for most. Um, so yeah, battlefields getting built. Like you say, it's not really going to benefit the, the the sort of first team. Not for a long time anyway. It's more for the for the youth and the women's side. And um, I think that's a fair point Gavin made about Nicholson saying that we we want to be like top world class in, in all areas. And it looks like uh, from the images I've seen, it looks like it is a. It's going to be like Aye. wonderful facilities. So, yeah, small positive. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I seen this week. Um, just moving on, that uh, Michael Stewart, who I, I respect as a pundit, I think he's quite uh, level-headed. I think he, he he says it like it is. I don't think he's he's afraid to speak his mind. Uh, he's obviously got yourself in hot water in the past because of that. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but he was on a Scottish football podcast, and I'm just going to read out a couple of things he said. He was pretty much talking about how um, it's a necessity that, and now this is going to cause great debate, so it's a necessity that 
Uh, Celtic need to keep Brendan Rodgers at the helm, no matter what happens this season, going into the next season. Um, and I'll just read a few quotes that he said. He says, regardless of whether they win the league or not, for me, they need to keep Brendan Rodgers. The big problem for me, even so much, is when we look at Brendan Rodgers now, and he does look like a pale Im- imitation of what we saw before. He's a top manager. Um, the thing that surprises me so much, and we all assumed that to get Brendan back in, it was because they were going to back him heavily. It's been so far the other way that I find it astonishing. So even if they don't win the league, I still think next summer they have to go and do the same thing and back him properly. Now, I'm just going to ask James's thoughts <laughs> on that and just sit back for half an hour and hear a couple of times. What do well, you think about that, mate? Because I know you're obviously quite strongly of the... Like, I wouldn't say Roger's out camp, but you know, you've got your doubts about what's going on and you've not been too happy with what he's done this season. What do you, what do you make of the comments? Well, to be fair, I was on the fence, but now that Michael Stewart said that, uh, we need to back Rodgers then, <laughs> aye, fair enough. No, I mean, I, I, I'm firmly in the Rodgers out camp now. I said a couple of weeks ago, his, his jacket was on a sugarly peg, and I've not seen anything to improve that. Um, I, I, again, his press conference today with the fucking Brendan Rodgers bingo, he spoke about intensity and mentality and being clinical. The same thing he said for months now, and it just doesn't happen. Um, 100% he's been shafted by the board. Of course he has. Um, the amount of players we signed in the summer was a shambles. It should never have been as many. Um, it should have been mere quality, as he likes to throw about as well. Um, so he has been shafted in that regard. But in terms of literally every player at the club, I mean, even Roger, uh, Rogers, even O'Reilly's went backwards, but I'll give him benefit of the doubt with O'Reilly. Everybody has regressed, and Brendan Rogers, for me, is at fault for that. He's playing players in a system that they're not suited to, and it, it seems to me to be incapable of changing it. The last couple of weeks, I know we've spoke about four four two, and we've had a laugh about Kyogo in the 10 and things like that, but He's no changed the formation. He's put Kyogo in. You'll give him benefit of the doubt. He's changed it. There's two strikers on the park. Whatever formation we're playing, he has changed it. It's worked to an extent without ever being spectacular. But in the two games that we've, we've went that way, with Kyogo in there, um, he's changed it back. The St Mirren game, he brings Bernardo in. The performance took a nosedive pretty much as soon as that happened. Commander game at the weekend was slightly different um, because we, regardless of the way that second half was going, um, we did need to, to change something. Um, we couldn't have kept playing the way we were playing. That's no solely Rogers to blame for that. But his subs, even at the weekend, I mean, I, I think I actually put in the group chat, we, we're walking in eggshells here in the second Aye. half. And I think that couldn't have been that long into the set of the into the second half, and it was so apparent that it was coming. And how I don't think there's a fucking supporter, a Celtic supporter on the planet that would have looked at that bench and thought we need Paolo Bernardo in the park here. It, it's just miles away from it. The, the obvious sub was to bring a Wata on. If you're bringing a Wata on, obviously you're looking to go a wee bit more solid in the middle, which is exactly what we needed. You would take Kyogo off and leave Ida up top. Somebody big, somebody to hit an out ball essentially that can bring other players into play, but he doesn't do that. He brings on Bernardo for Ida and then puts Kyogo up front. The game doesn't change in any way, shape, or form. If anything, you could argue it gets worse. 
then five, ten minutes later, it's as if, oh shit, he's then seen what everybody else could have seen and he's brung own in place of Kyogo for that focal point. And it's no as if that's a new thing. That might sound harsh in that I'm singling out the Kumarnock game. It's happened before. Um, was it the Ross County game? He brought own Burnaby as a winger. Only for five I minutes later, right, from, right. he realised he made a cunt to it, and then he had to take Greg Taylor <laughs> off for a winger and put Burnaby back. And he, he's tried different things throughout the season. We've had a names out of heart to see who plays beside Scales. We've had names out of heart to play to see who's playing in the midfield beside McGregor and O'Reilly. Mm. It's it's just no happening. And this notion that we're just going to flick a switch and everything will become brilliant again, it's no. It's not going to work that way. And look, I know we've had a laugh and a joke because I keep going on about performances, but playing poorly and winning on occasion is a brilliant thing to do. Sign a champions or that part, it's excellent. See, when you're relying on it week in, week out, you're just playing poorly. And when you're playing poorly, you're going to slip up. And we've seen it time and time and time again this season that we've slipped up. I've said on here before, the elephant in the room for Celtic this season was Michael Beale. Michael Beale afforded us that gap. They had a, a glorified PE teacher in charge for uh, however long it was in the season. Afforded us that gap. He's then went and they've brought in an actual manager who seems to be getting a tune out the players. And then the gap has shorter and shorter and shorter. And now we find ourselves behind. He was shafted in the summer. He's back to board. He said we needed quality in January. We didn't get it. He then came out after the Ross County game and back to board again. So, as I say, he's constant flip-flopping this season. Mm. Hasn't he helped it at all? But I, I, to be fair to him, I kind of, to a point, can understand why he's had to do it. I don't think he's had to do it to the extent that he has done it. But for me... For the team of players that's there, it has to be getting so much better at them. I mean, I know I'm fucking about 10 minutes into a rant here, but the oh, you're all right. <laughs> the, the, the wingers, the thing with the wingers, and look, Palma gets absolutely slaughtered, and, and rightly so, rightly so, obviously, gets hooked at half time at the weekend again. See, for me, Palma is by a country mile our best winger, and the reason he's our best winger is because he's the only player that is suited to the style of play that he's, he's asking for. This cutting inside constantly. I mean, we can have a go at Yang, fucking Tyrio, Forrest, any other Maida. We can have a go at them all for no getting to the byline and want to cut inside. Surely it gets to a point where we've got to realise that that's not the player's choice. That's that's coming for the dugout. That's coming for the manager. And it's the same thing we've seen all season. And the only one that suits is Palmer. And I think I've said it on here before, and it's not even with the benefit of hindsight. I think if everybody was available and actually at the club, our best two wingers, or starting wingers, would be Palma and Haksabanovic. And that's no saying Haksabanovic <laughs> is a brilliant player. It's just the fact that he's he's the only one that's suited to this cutting inside and, and shooting. And look, I agree, pa- Palma has been terrible recently. But about 95% of our attacks come through Palma when he's playing, good, bad or indifferent, it goes through Palma, he's always heavily involved, and at the other side, there is nothing, genuinely absolutely nothing, I mean, you look at the game at the weekend, I know it's been kind of well winter, but like, there's a bit where Yang gets the ball at the halfway line, he's got the full park in front of him, 
passes it to McGregor. McGregor doesn't want the ball either, passes it to O'Reilly and like that. Is somebody going to just take, to quote Charlie Nicholas, is somebody going to take the bull by the China shop here and actually drive us forward? And uh, to get back on to Rodgers again, like this time last week he was telling us that it was all negative media spin, there was no issues, everything was rosy at Celtic, no need to panic. Fast forward 48 hours, you've got players telling us they're having crisis meetings in the dugouts, and the dugouts in the dressing rooms. So there's there's a clear disconnect somewhere. And look, I know I'm fucking torn-faced and money and titled bedwetter, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I, I just don't think we're anywhere near the level we should and could be this year. It, it, for me, it's been like watching a car crash in slow motion. And if I'm being honest, I, I don't think we're at the end date yet. I think I don't. I think we're still got worse to come. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But just to conclude and answer your question, yes, I'm in the Rogers out camp. <laughs> <clears throat> Let me just go through. I just want to go through a couple of, a couple of the comments here, uh, Monty. Everyone is responsible for teams' inconsistencies. The manager needs to find information and get the players fired up. That said, individually and collectively, the players need to wake up. Um, I agree with that. Aye, me too. For a change, I agree with Monty. Uh, Michael Ross says, can Rogers motivate these players? Um, what do you think? In fact, before I go on, uh, get some more comments, Gavin, I just want to see, because I've seen you, it looked like you might be disagreeing on the Palmer situation there. What's your thoughts on what James said there about Palmer and him being our best winger? And do you think he's got a point about how he's the only one that can, he's the only one that can sort of suit swap what Brendan's, or what he thinks that Brendan's um, implementing at the moment? Palmer's, it's really difficult to put your finger on what the problem is with Palmer. Um, he had a really, really promising start to his Celtic career. You know, he looked like, finally, this is one signing that we can hang our hat on. But um, he's been caught up with um, whatever contagious thing is going through the squad right now where he's went down to everybody else's level um, so in the last game he gets hooked at half time in the open five or six minutes there was three times where he had donkey moments um, the, the, the first opportunity the ball was played to him um, in the middle of the park he never had a picture in his head of what he was going to do and he took a really terrible touch and it goes to the opposition and we're on the back foot uh, there, there was another one a couple of minutes later where the ball was played to him and it, it goes under his foot. That's There's no excuse for that. You need to start off the game confident and firing on all cylinders and to put the opposition under pressure. Um, so I don't want to... I know that sounds like I'm micro-analysing uh, Palmer already, but it, he's he's a conundrum. Like He's got obvious, obvious talent. Um but at the same time, he's capable of trying to overcomplicate things. He doesn't do the simple things well. And if you're having uh, a crisis of confidence, then stick to the simple things. You know, get your touch right. Know what you're going to do. Pass to your man. Make a run. Make space. Um, he's got obvious flaws with a, a lack of pace. Um, and saying that, in the St Mirren game, he managed to fashion half a yard to get past the man to whip in that cross. So it's not like you need to do a Diddy and a Gat and run down to the byline, you know. 
um, to cross it in. Palmer does have that skill, kind of like Aidan McGeady to an extent. Well, he wasn't blessed with pace, but he was always able to fashion yeah, uh, a, a yard to, mm -hmm. to whip in a corner. Palmer is capable of that. He needs to mix his game up, which I think which is something that Rogers told him at the start. Don't always telegraph your intentions. He needs to keep the, the fullback thinking of what he's going to do. Um, but Pal sometimes Palmer, when he's had the opportunity to cross the ball, it has been like Myra-esque. It's been woeful. And I don't want to kind of um, over-egg the pudding here. I don't want to um, you know, go, go too far, but his his end product at start at the start of his career it looked brilliant, but now yeah. it is erratic. You don't know what you're going to get with Palmer. Unfortunately, it's more misses than 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 hits with Palmer right now. Um, James does make the point that Palmer's style is suited to what Brendan Rodgers is asking of him, but at the same time he's getting hooked at half time. So the other thing I I, I was kind of talking to you guys in the group chat is does Palmer benefit from playing off players? You know, so with Kyoko as your focal point, is that not suited to him? Well, now we're trying with Ida. Is that really bringing the best out of Palmer? I don't think so. Um, maybe he's not getting... Um, he, he, I don't think Palmer's developed a chemistry. Put it that way. He's not developed a chemistry on the, the left wing with his fullback. It's the fullback has been changing, you know, with Greg Taylor's injury. Um, Greg Taylor doesn't know Palmer's game. Palmer doesn't know Greg Taylor's game. I think it might be next season before we can make a, a fully-fledged opinion about Palmer. So that, that that's my opinion about Palmer. Um, I, I know that the bigger question is Rogers: Should he stay or should he go? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go back. I want to hear your opinion on Michael Stewart's uh, comments, Gavin, but I just want to ask James. So, I, like, obviously, I think it depends on the football. But say we continue to play this lacklustre football that we're playing recently, but he wins the league, does does, does Roger still need to go? No, probably no. Um, if he wins the league, I don't think he will. If I'm being totally honest, I, I, I don't think he will. <laughs> Maybe that's a wee bit defeatist, but I mean, you have known how much I've been moaning yep. since pretty much August, September time. Um, if I'm being totally honest, unless something drastically changes, and look, if something drastically changes, I'll be the first one to come on here, hold my hands up, and go, yeah, What course, was that right. guy talking about? But I just don't see, I don't see it changing. I don't think he knows how to change it. I think he he's tried to change it at points and always revert it back. And I just don't look, the players aren't great either, but again, he's, he's defended the recruitment, so. He's kind of made a rod for his end back with that. Uh, if he wins the league, then I think he stays. I don't think he'll get sacked. I think there's a notion that he could potentially walk away in the summer, regardless if he doesn't get backed. But, I mean, in terms of I'm getting sacked, I don't think he'll get sacked anyway, but definitely know if he wins the league. I know. Aye, that's a fair point. There's a, a, this is what I was going to ask you next, actually. The manager needs backed. Red Scotland, uh, thanks for joining us tonight, mate. The manager needs back before we can judge him on his side. Players need to stand up and be counted. The board, they just need to go. So before I ask you, Gavin, on um, like Michael Stewart's comments and what you think about Rodgers, do you think that he's at, he's got some credit in the bank just because the sort of window was such a disaster in, in most people's eyes and, and there's a sort of backlash on the board? Do you think that he's got some sort of, some sort of credit in the bank because of that? 
from some quarters of the Celtic yeah. support. It's not it's not a unanimous one. Um, I think Monty was spot on with his earlier comment. Well, everybody needs to take accountability from yeah. the the board to the players to Hoopy. You know, everybody <laughs> is accountable for this. Um, so. Rogers does have credit in the bank, firstly because of his reputation. People thought that he was a safe choice whenever we got him. Other people would say that it was a, a lack of imagination, um, a lack of moving forward. But now he's been kind of hamstrung with the recruitment. Now, I know that James said that publicly he's he's backed it. He said that I, I have say in the transfer rumours. On the other hand, though, is he going to start... Is he going to, start consternation in the media by saying that he never signed off on these guys, that they're not good enough. That's really one way to, to end your season, to end your career. I don't think that you're in it. You know, we need to make the best of a, of a bad situation. And I don't think that there was any any yield for, for Rogers to come out, any reward for Rogers to come out and lambast the recruitment. So he's had to kind of stand by it and, and say that we're a collective. Um, do you think he so, sort of, Gavin, do you think he half sort of said that when he, he kind of came out? Remember, he hadn't made that big statement about how the recruitment team are the ones that bring the player to him and then he kind of has his say. Do you think he was kind of half saying it then or do you think he, like, he was... It's difficult because I know James has, has said that like, he understands why he said certain things and he's sort of flip-flopping because he feels like he needs to try and get fans back on side. Um because of what's happened previously. But I don't know. For me, I just... that I remember that comment coming through, and obviously it looks worse when you read it, but then when I watched his interview and he was kind of saying, like... Uh, it, was just, it was it was during the uh, the summer window anyway, and he was, he was sort of saying, like, the recruitment is, they come in and I'm here to coach and, and uh, develop. I don't know if, if... I don't know if... For me, it was kind of, like, at that point, he was saying that... He was basically saying that without saying it, if that makes sense. Yeah, he, he name-dropped the recruitment team. At the same time, the following sentence, he protected them. And, aye, and he said it's a collective. So, yeah, mixed messages from Rogers. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he does have credit in the bank from some people. Um, it's not like he spent a ridiculous amount of money on duds in the, the January market. We've brought in Kuhn, and Kuhn has been deplorable. He, he looks like, like that... The, the goal that we conceded um, in, in stoppage time, Kuhn is not tracking back. And um, his marker, the, the, the left winger, was the one who was uh, left open to cross it in. If Kuhn tracked back, then that goal might not have happened. So although Bernabe uh, was a scapegoat for that, Kuhn is culpable equally as well. Um, I, the, 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 the recruitment in January has been awful. And what can you say, though? People say that it's, it's difficult to bring in proper signings. The main business, the main body of work should have been done in the summer. And then we were always playing catch-up in January. And historically, it's difficult It's difficult to make the proper signings that you want in January. Can I just jump in on that? Uh, of see, course, eh? see what you're saying there? I get you're saying about Rogers flip-flopping and maybe still having credit in the bank. Brendan Rogers spoke for months, weeks and weeks, a good couple of months about in the run-up to January about this need for quality. But we signed Norwich's third choice striker. Regardless of how good, bad, or indifferent he's playing, he's no a quality player. Nicholas Kuhn, I was never kind of championing that signing. I always felt as if his best kind of 
selling point was that two big academies had let him go, and mm. it was at Ajax and Bayern Munich, and I, I never really understood the the kind of thought process behind that. But fair play, as I say, I didn't write the guy off early, you've got to give him a chance, but it's clear, at least after what we've seen, that the base of them aren't going to be the answer long term, unless there's some miraculous shift. Rogers came out after the Ross County game. Bear in mind, obviously, we won the Ross County game. They get booed off the park, and then I think that was actually still in the transfer window. I think there was still a, a couple of days left. I could be wrong in that one, but that was the that was the interview. Where after the game, Rogers said that he got asked about the boon, and he said, "I've had it since I came back. If it's no me, it's getting it. Then it's the board." And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, well, "You've just given the green light to." Shafty, I'm like, you're sticking up for them, but you're literally in a transfer window where you've spoke for months about needing quality. To that point, in my opinion, he didn't have the quality. I, I think we would all agree that we never signed quality. I think there's a fair argument to be made that we've actually weakened the team in January. But then he's coming out when we're still in the transfer window and saying, oh, well, if they're no booing me, then they're booing the board. And see if I'm sitting in the boardroom fucking counting the pennies. I'm like, uh, what's he doing sticking up for us? We've seen it with the Schwed thing, and we've seen it since. And I, I can't get the mindset of when the windy's open, albeit a couple of days left. Surely that's when you, you throw your shade at the board to get them to kick into overdrive and sign somebody. And then in that scenario, I, I can side with you. You've said we needed something and we have not got it. Don't defend them. And then the week after the, the windy shuts, come out and tell us that we need to be a wee bit braver, which is his quote. And player recruitment, it's just so backwards. And that's, it, there's been instances like that all throughout the season where he says one thing one week and then literally the next week he'll say the exact opposite thing. So he speaks about quality. He doesn't get quality. The windy's still open to sign said quality. Defends the board. The windy shuts. We haven't signed the quality. Week later, aye, we need to be braver in the market. And what, in, in what world does that make sense? James, you're, look, you're spot on with what you say. You really, really are. It's difficult to disagree with you. I, I guess it kind of that's in response to my point about well, make the best of a bad situation. Don't don't um, uh, start turmoil within the club when we've got half a season to go. So look, that that that's a fitting response to what I've said. I guess the only thing that I would say to follow up on that is. If you've got half a season to go and things have not been working well for you on the pitch and you're struggling to find a rhythm, to find a formula, would it be a would it help you? Would it help the squad if you basically admitted that what you've got right now is subpar? If you basically put out the messages that the, the, the players that you've got are not good enough for Celtic, how will that have an effect on the players in the run-up to the season? I just think perhaps that would be counterproductive, even though Rogers might be saving. I'm not trying to defend him. I agree with you. I preferred, I preferred um, Ange's style, where Ange was not afraid of of making it well and clear his his thoughts because he wanted to win the league. He wanted the best for for the club, for the team, for the fans, and he was willing to be a straight shooter. Brendan Rogers mixed messages. I get you. I, I, I just my point though is we've got half a season, and we're up against it. Does it does it help us if he's basically saying what I've got right now is not good enough to win the league? 
But is he what? not? See, Gavin, is he not? See, when he's he's banging on every other week about quality. we need quality in the squad. Do you not think that that is demotivating the team? Because if I'm a player and he keeps saying we need we need quality, we need quality in the squad, I'm I'm possibly sitting there thinking maybe does that mean I'm not good enough to win the league? Well, that was pre-window, and I'm talking about now post-window. If he makes comments now post-window that what we've got is not good enough then I think that's counterproductive because you need to galvanise the squad. But I think he had every right pre-window to say, we need quality, we need quality. You think that's why we're in the spot we're in now? Do you think that, James, do you think that's demotivating the squad? Because obviously the majority of the squad that's here was before January. So before or, or post-January, that if he's saying that, does that mean that that majority of that squad aren't good enough? Mate, bear, bear in mind as well, by the way, that the majority of that squad is a treble winning squad. A hundred percent. And the play, look, look, Alistair Johnson looks a totally different player. You could argue Callum McGregor looks a totally different player. Matt O'Reilly was one of the only ones that's improved, but he's actually declined since January. Now, obviously, there might be other reasons playing into that, but I, I agree with what you're saying. When he's saying about the quality, if I'm sitting in the dressing room, I'm like, mm, well, is he speaking about me? Can I type thing? And then the two guys he brings in. But imagine if you're Kyogo, you're sitting there, you've banged in the goals last year, been phenomenal. The manager's talking about quality, 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 then goes out and signs a striker that's the third choice for Norwich. <laughs> what, what is he sitting thinking? I'm like, oh, that's no, no fucking harm either, but it's the truth, isn't it? And oh, I've made, honestly, as I say, like, even before the window opened, and as I say, we've had a laugh on here about it, fucking negative Nancy or here and all that, but it, we've, we've sleptwalk into this position. If I'm being totally honest, I think January, and look, maybe I'm, as I said in the group chat, maybe I'm a wee bit further ahead in the stages of grief than other people are now, but <laughs> for me, I think January was our last chance to go and go, right, we we're in a title race here. We need to go buy a couple of players in and win the league. This notion about quality look, you're signing players in the summer with the idea of kicking on in Europe and having a go to the Champions League. We were only in the Champions League in January and we were buying in a title race. Just sign players in January to get us over the line in the league. Guys like Miofsky, who will score goals probably in this team and arguably their goals would help get us over the line. But we dicked about and we didn't do it, as we've done, as I say, fucking pretty much all season. We're just expecting to click our fingers, and we're going to go on a run. And it's just blind faith. There is no logic behind it. I keep seeing how bad they are and how they're going to go on a bad run. And look, they might, but I still don't have any faith in us to to put a, a run together. If I'm in my heart of hearts talking even about the weekend, I think that is going to be a right, right hard game for us. You'd be a brave man to bet Celtic the ruin any game. And we've played all the draws at the bottom of the league, we've played all the draws at the bottom of the league at Parkhead and we're struggling. And as I say, the, the performances, barring a couple, it's been shite all season. It was shite before January and it's been shite after January. He's been shafted for above, Absolutely. But he doesn't help himself, and that's before. That's just taking his word on things. I mean, you look at the players, as I say, they've all regressed. So that's why, for me, and look, maybe it is a bit fucking dramatic, but I think the best chance we've got of winning this league 
is to get somebody else in and hopefully get that kind of new manager bounce. I just don't, and as I say, look, maybe that's controversial and dramatic or whatever, but I just don't see where we're going to snap our fingers and all of a sudden Kyogo's going to be like the old Kyogo. The wingers are going to play like wingers, get to the byline, get the balls in for Kyogo. It's not happened all season, so why is it going to happen now we're, we're chasing? Ah, it's fair point, mate. I, I, I'm going to say the exact opposite, and it's just with Dion. Thanks for joining us again. I've seen you've been in the comments a lot recently, so really appreciate it. But Dion says, Wally, you told us not to worry last week. Should we be worried now? And uh, I totally get it. James has like, nailed a lot of valid points there. Um, I, I'm not quite at panic stations yet. Um, and maybe it is, like James said, maybe it's because I, I, I don't believe that the, the team across the city are a good side. Um, I'm not so sure they're going to keep that up. Not that they should need to. Um, and I do think Rogers should definitely be getting more out of this squad. Uh, and maybe I think because he's got credit at the bank because he's CV and what he's done at us before. And maybe, um, maybe I'm a bit of romantic in that way. But and if it was an unknown, if it was another Ronnie Dahlia came in, I'd probably be in the same camp as James and wanting him out just now. And maybe it is because I'm I think with my heart rather than my head sometimes. Um, but I, st- I just I still believe that a squad's got a lot more in them. Uh, obviously, they've shown that in the past. I'm hoping they're going to change it around. Maybe it is. Maybe it's absolute blind faith. But for me, I'm not at panic stations quite yet. In about two or three weeks, <laughs> if we continue going the way we have been, I- I'll probably start getting to that point. But um, yeah, yeah, I suppose you-, you could be worried. I'm not quite yet. But uh, I mean, I hopefully they're on a form changes and. And um, players get their act together, but it, Rogers definitely needs to be getting more out of the squad. But Gavin, <laughs> finally, eventually, after all that, what's your thoughts on Michael Stewart's, <laughs> Michael Stewart's comments and, on, on Rogers? And uh, is he the man to lead us next season? Should he still be in at the helm if, if God forbid, we don't win the league? What's your thoughts on his comments? Well, I think if we're to stick with Brendan Rogers, I think one of the most worrying things. There's been a lot of setbacks this season. One of the most worrying things is that Rodgers has not been able to affect change with the team, despite all these setbacks. Um, like James has said, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion, and that, that's a good description. But Rodgers, having seen that, after interview, after interview of saying, oh, you know, he's not been able to change things. Like I, I said that the last time I was on the pod, um, Whenever we had St. Johnson uh, before, back in December, I think it was, St. Johnson, we were playing terribly at halftime. He read them the riot act, and then we won 3-1. And after the yeah. game, he said that was the most angry he's ever been in his managerial career. But if you hear that from a manager, you're thinking, well, Christ, he must have been angry. But where was your, as a Celtic fan, you always expect a... a, a a reaction. Whenever you play poorly, you expect the following game to see a reaction. And we've not really seen that. If Rogers truly gave them a kick up the arse at half time, fair enough, they, they secured the points in that game. But that reaction should continue on. That's the mentality, that's the basic mentality that you, you expect from Celtic players. So I think in response to this kind of question about sticking with Rogers for next season, I think. It takes a lot of faith as a Celtic fan to be reassured that there's a long-term plan in place um, in order for us to be kind of resolute in all the face 
all, all of these setbacks um, and believe that sticking with Brendan Rodgers, he will kind of prevail in the end. I think that the, the relationship that he has with the board is pivotal in this. We're probably correct in the assumption that he was sold a fake bill of goods whenever he, he, he started his tenure, second time round as Celtic manager. There's that Latin phrase, caveat emptor, and it's buyer beware. He, he is, whatever he was told, it's not worked out that way this season. And he really needs to do some soul searching if he really wants to be the, the Celtic boss next season. From a fan perspective, there's no, there's no, there's no entertainment. You go to the games now and you're not enjoying it. You're not enjoying it at all. It's it's like you're talking to your, to the people next to you at the stadium and it's gallows humour. That's that's what the banter is, you know? Like, And you're watching the passing from the back and you're like, Christ almighty, heart attack syndrome. It's been so bad and he's not been able to find a solution. So at the moment, it's really, really on the fence for me. From one week to the next, I'm saying Brendan has to go. And then the next, I'm thinking, but it's, it's rotten from top to bottom. Aye. Really, if if we bring in a new manager, put it this way, if we're going to bring in a new manager, what type of backing is he going to have? If Brendan has any clout with the board, if we bring in a, a new guy with no reputation, no gravitas, how on earth is this guy going to be able to, to make demands from our board? So who's in the best position of power to demand resources? Perhaps Brendan. The other thing I, I mentioned that on Monday's podcast was sometimes you get ma- managers who've been in the game for so long, they kind of lose their mojo. Um, is it possible that Brendan has lost his mojo? I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it's a question. Um, well, but to answer your question, from week to, to week, I am changing my opinion whether to stick with Brendan or whether not to. I think... I think the relationship between him and the board is pivotal in this. So I can't really give you a straight answer. Sorry. I can't believe after all that you're sitting in the fence, man. <laughs> <laughs> you but think, Gavin, when you're talking about that, sorry, James, mate, uh, see when you're just uh, talking about how you like the, the sort of club at the moment, uh, it doesn't, you never say it doesn't matter who's in charge, but you think it's that sort of, I hope we're not on that like, decline where like, that Man United have been in, they've had world-class manager after world-class mm. manager, but because it's been rotten for the top and whatever other aspects of the club, there's no success in the pitch. Is that the sort of similar feeling you get? It's a good, a good comparison, but the, the example to, to kind of disprove that, you could say it's the, the, the exception that proves the rule, is Ange. Ange had two brilliant seasons. Right. Well, us as fans, we had the, the, the we had the fire in our belly. We were entertained. We were loving it. Um, so that was the exception. So th- there are there are obviously certain certain things that can happen. Certain personnel who are able to to affect change. Um, but we we like continuity as a club. Going back to Lennon as manager, going back to Brendan as manager. Maybe it's that continuity which does us no good, and that's why we don't see change. We're going back for the, for the same old. How do we expect a different outcome? Yeah. See, see when you're saying notice, and like this isn't kind of directly picking up on what you're saying because it's something that I've seen a lot of people saying in a roundabout way. Like you're saying that it's rotten for the tap to the bottom. 
And like I would agree with that. For boardroom level to the literal pitch, which is a riot, it is a disgrace tap to Bolton. But what is what's changed for Ange, for Rogers' first spell, for Lennon? It's all the same faces, just in different places. And it's something that I think made and made we've came to realise is times went on since. The up until the point where Mark Global comes in, Ange Postecoglou must have been doing about twelve different jobs at Celtic. I mean, you can't for a second tell us that Kyogo, Maida, Kobayashi wasn't great, but all these signings, it was guys that, that Ange knew, and it was guys that he was obviously aware of, and he's brought them in. Hitati, Maestrum obviously have been on to be successful. And then you add Mark Lowell into the equation, uh, the equation, and even would it have been Ange, Ange's last two Wendy's? We didn't really sign great. We signed Alistair no. Johnson, who was the kind of outlier, but even he looks a shelly self this season. So, and I, I keep seeing people saying as well, kind of ties in with what you were saying is if we sacked Rogers, then who would this board pick? But people don't realise that it was this board that picked Rogers who you're defending. Do you know what I mean? It was this board that picked Ange Postecoglou that we would all have back in a heartbeat. It was this board that picked Brendan Rodgers the first spell. It was this board that picked Neil Lennon to come in and win as a treble. The the only kind of out like, poor appointment was Lennon getting the gig full time when he should have walked away after winning the, the Scottish Cup against Hearts. But we let it run on. So look, I, I am an absolutely no doubt and it maybe contradicts myself. If we sacked Brendan Rodgers right this second, I have got no doubt this time tomorrow night we would have either Neil Lennon or Gordon Stratton in charge until until the end of the season. That's based off absolutely nothing other than that's just what I think. But I find it interesting that people that love Ange still defend Rodgers when, in my opinion, you can't defend him anymore. Loved Rodgers his first spell, and obviously Neil Lennon came in and done a job when Rodgers went away. It's the same guys that would be picking him. So I don't get why. And that's no me defending the board because I've, I've said on here before when it gets to the point we're saying, I, but who would we go for? That's a criticism of the board. That's not a defence of the manager. But I just think it's it, you can it's like a bit of a contradiction when people say that. You can't defend Rodgers, a guy that the board have picked and appointed, and then say, but who would the board go for? Do you know what I mean? It kind of flies in the face of it. So the point is, but we're doubly fucked either way. I don't know if it's because, like, like I don't think there's um, the reason we've got Rogers in is because there's nobody of like that sort of caliber. There was no other um, candidates of that sort of caliber, and I don't, I, I still don't think there's that out there that we can attract. Can, can, can I? I'm sorry for for interjecting here, but no, of course. I know hindsight is a hindsight is a wonderful thing. But Iriola is doing pretty well now. Um, with yes, his I... team and Maresca, uh, James, I don't know if you've got a, 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 an update on the, the football oh. score for Leicester, but Maresca is running away with it. The interesting thing was people kiboshed Maresca because of his uh, his brief time with was it was it Parma or Sampdoria? Uh, Parma or, was I. Parma. Like, but maybe that was just the kind of the wrong environment for Maresca to 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 succeed, even though he's Italian. But he's came back to the UK and he, he's he's flying. People say that Rogers was the best man on paper, but do we overthink that kind of on paper thing? Sometimes thinking outside the box is 
the right way to, to, to kind of progress. And I think we're afraid of that. If we went for our Maresca, if we went for Iriola, and again, this is Harry Hindsight talking because I wasn't overly impressed with their CVs. I was more impressed with Brendan Rogers as being a sure thing. But sometimes if you think outside the box, if you add context to the man on paper, then sometimes it might actually result in making the right decision for the club in the future. Do you think the board have not done that just because, uh, like Ronnie, I know he's, he was successful, but he was successful in like a one-horse race, and then in the end he ended up leaving anyway because, well, I don't know if it's because of football or playing or what or not, or he didn't do enough, but that, that was that sort of um, appointment, um, sort of that thinking out the box that you're saying. Do you think that because of that then now that like the, the old enemy are back in the league and we, it's so important for us to... You know, do you think they're not wanting to take that punt because of that, or? But is that is that no exactly like what Ange Postecoglou would have been? I mean, Jimenez. Oh, that's Jimenez. true. That's true. Look, but I, then I, that I, was I, that was uh, what's his face that got him in, wasn't it? Dominic Mackay. That was, and he's not there anymore. So, uh, and and he didn't last long. Maybe it was because he was thinking at the box, and it wasn't the yes man or the narrative that the board wanted. But Ange was part of the City Group. He was known through that network. As so that's not, that's not a fingerprint of Dominic Mackay to identify him. I would disagree with that particular part. But I, I think um, Ange was kind of thinking outside the box. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you're right. Uh, yeah, once bitten, twice as shy. Maybe you're right. Aye, aye. Yeah, I just go through some of the comments here. Uh, strange love of doctor makes a great point. Thanks for joining us again, mate. No, you don't panic by everything should be done and dusted by the time a window opens. Couldn't agree more. I don't understand this whole people aren't like, like these sort of the players should be identified well before the window even opens, which I think is again it's nuts that if the rumours are true about Mark Clawwell leaving, um, why would it take so long? We, we need somebody in that's going to. Um, we should be looking at the summer window right now as we speak, and if it's going to be a new team or a new chief scout or whoever else is in, for me they should be in at the moment. Um, Red Scotland, I think he touches on kind of what you said, Gavin, about um, Brendan Rodgers and, and sort of not wanting to, um, you know, sort of demotivate the team by slagging whatever in, in, the, in the media. And Red Scotland says, if he comes out and says, I've been shafted from upstairs, then immediately he loses the dressing room and the whole thing unravels. He's doing it in a manner where he can try and keep us on track. Uh, hence, his apparent support of the transfers which are the players he needs to get us over the line. That's, I think that's a fair point. Uh, yeah. I'm just going through some of these comments as well. Uh, I don't know about that, Paul. If Brendan does like the squad, then play some of the B team, but he persists with the money grabbers. Because uh, Paul said that, that, that moves me on to the next topic, which is where do we go for here? I think we might have actually covered a lot of this in that sort of... Uh, 40 right. minutes there they ran. Gavin, where is it going wrong? Is is it is it Rogers needs to motivate these players better? Is it um what 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 can we do? Is there anybody out there? Paul said about the B team. I mean, I don't think you need to necessarily dive into the B team, although you could. Is there anybody that's not sort of partaking that you think could make? I know I'll, I'll come to James and ask him, he's already kind of touched on a water, but uh, is there anybody in there that, that you think should be playing that isn't somebody that should be getting a run in the squad and somebody that maybe should be sitting taking a back seat? How how does how does Brett if you're Brendan Rogers, how do you how do you try and turn this sort of form around? 
Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? What is it? Yep. Is it down to is it down to motivating the players? Is it down to tactics? Is it down to personnel? Or is it a combination of all the above? Um, I think one person who perfectly kind of encapsulates the confusion, that this dilemma that we've got, is probably Liam Scales. Now, he started off the season, probably the, the most memorable game was um, the 1-0 the game at Ibrox, whenever we thought we were, some of us thought we were going to get shafted. We end up winning 1-0, and he gets a man-of-the-match performance whenever his uh, his teammate Lagabielka is shot the bed in that game. Liam Scales, for a good part of the season, was an over-performer. And it was probably because people around him weren't playing as well as what they should have been playing that we kind of jumped on the, the Liam Scales bandwagon and we were saying, look how good this guy is, you know, Brendan Rodgers has improved him. This is what happens whenever you give somebody a run of games, that confidence and look at how well they're playing. The other thing I would say is it's really nice to have a left-footed centre-back playing at the left of centre-back. Yeah. Um, however, that was then and now he looks like he's going to be a symbol of our failure for this season if we don't win the league because it's came into um, a stark contrast of, or sorry, stark focus of how poor his distribution is right now. Uh, people are really, really getting um, annoyed with, with how poor his passing is. He, he, he labours on the ball, um, he plays the safe passes, and his, com- his confidence is, is kind of withering away here. So he's a perfect example of our season, Liam Scales, starting off well, but Aye. getting worse and worse right now. And we're saying we'll get rid of him, put in the Rocky and put in Cameron Cutter-Vickers instead. And it's just, it's just a, a, a shit show right now in, in, the, in, in that kind of position for him. But um, how do we, how do we re- retrieve this season? One thing is, if you mark Callum McGregor, as we saw in the last game at Kilmarnock, he, we can't get around that. So, okay, why don't we try Iwata at the number six position and push Callum McGregor up? Now, I'm not saying that Iwata is a world beater. I don't think he's had enough game time right now for us to make a, a fair judgment whether he's good enough to be a Celtic player or not good enough. I would, I've got a doubt, a doubt that he's good enough to be a Celtic player because He's not been given a good run of games right now, and I think that's based on training. I think his training performances would dictate if you, you deserve a run of games. Um, so it might be a solution. We can try it. By the way, did you just pour a pint of Guinness out of the camera there? That was very subtly done. <laughs> I, well done, done. I. Well done. Yeah, look, I think we can try the Awata thing because I think we need to be brave right now. Whatever we're doing right now is not working. We've got 12 games to... to to, to win this this league we need to be brave we need to weigh up the risks of what we're going to do and say should we go ahead with it should we just say fuck it let's just try something different uh, if we keep doing the same thing then surely that means failure surely that means coming second so why don't we try a water and that allows Callum McGregor to to spark some of the creativity yeah. I was going to say that yeah. to you mate with a coming in do you think that's going to benefit us because McGregor's kind of going to take that number eight role and drive us forward a bit more. But don't get me wrong, I've got concerns about Awata in the number six because I think you need to be very, very disciplined. You need to have a perfect first touch and you need to know what your next move is going to be. 
uh, for the next pass because you're going to get closed down instantly. So I've got concerns about what I'm doing that, but I'm happy to take that risk and see what happens. It frees up Cal McGregor. He's not going to be man-marked the way that he would be as a number six. And then he can he can try to force games, which we have seen him do, and it can be very, very effective with that. Um, the other thing is O'Reilly right now. If we're dropping Bernardo and Kyogo is playing behind the main striker, then that means that O'Reilly is coming back deeper. The best part of O'Reilly's season, whenever he was playing up ahead of the striker, making the forward runs, he was getting the goals, that's tied up from. Now, you could say that O'Reilly's form has changed because of the speculation with Madrid, or you could say that O'Reilly's form has been hampered with this new, with this change of responsibility in the midfield. So that's another thing. The other thing, Ida, really, really, is Ida working out for us? Like, he scored two penalties, but really, what, what has he done? What has he done? I'm really not... I, I, maybe Ida offers slightly more than O, who, again, I don't think is a proper Celtic striker. I think we should get rid of... I, I am sick to death of these mediocre signings. I would get rid of O, but I don't think... I, although Ida might be better than O, is he really giving, giving us a, a different dynamic? Um... The thing is, if you're going to play Kyogo as a number nine, then the service needs to be spot on from the wingers. Should we revert back to Maida on the left wing? And maybe try James Forrest again on the on the right? Fuck, like that sounds that sounds desperate. <laughs> James Forrest, although he doesn't have much pace now, he can still he can, he can still fashion half a yard to get across in and he values possession. James Forrest. He might, he might say, oh, fuck, I'm going to check or play it back, but he values possession. He doesn't give the ball away needlessly. And James, what's your thoughts? See, before I come to you, James, I just want to just uh, a couple of comments. Uh, Maestro95, thanks for joining us, mate. He's been in the comments all the time now as well. It's good to see. I think he sort of agreed with you, Gavin, with, with skills. About his, his big skills is good at defender, but he needs to improve his ball distribution. Taking on players when the game is condensed, somebody has to create a spark. Um, Strange Love, I think, is commenting on your talking about Cal Mack in the middle of the park, I think. Marker of Max should be expected. Max should take them for a walk and someone should step into space. There are always solutions. It's a fair point. He's always the one that's coming for the ball. Um, but aye, James, I know you're everybody's uh, sort of in the, in the comments talking. Maestro says a lot is decent and solid. Michael Ross says a lot is disciplined. Um, I know you're a, a an a lot of fan. You'd like to see him in the squad uh, in the in the first eleven. What's your what's your thoughts? How can we turn it around? Is there anybody that you you think should be coming in? I, I think a lot should be in the team. Um, uh, uh, that's no even just after back of uh, recent performances. I, I like a lot. I think the best fit where we've played. Thinking back to the Castle and games like that, or, or around about that time. Um, probably when we've played our, our best football. But then the other part of me, the, the wee kind of money hole for me, is thinking, <laughs> well, we're just going full circle here because we've we've went through and we've had Nevrotsky, manager didn't like him, bombed out. Lagel Bielka, manager didn't like him, get bombed out. Burnaby, regardless of how many times people tell me he's not as bad as he is, he is bombed out. <laughs> Ralston, bombed out. We went through the period where we had O up front, bombed out third choice now to a guy that was third choice at Norwich. Then you look in the midfield, home, come in for a few games, looks all right, 
totally out of the picture now. Awata comes in, looks all right, albeit he got injured, but he's been fit for a couple of weeks now. And as I said, Disney get a look in after bench at the weekend when it's exactly his game. So for me, as I say, for me, Awata should be in the team. I would have said that for once, but I think if Awata is in the team, similar to what you're saying with James Forrest as well, it's just desperation. It is sheer desperation. It, for me, it screams a de- desperation. There, there, there isn't a plan. We should have a... It's February. We still don't know what our best team is. We're, it's February. It was nearly March. We still don't know our best team and we're still looking to kickstart our season. At what point are we just going to say, this isn't happening? And Rocco Vat is another one. We were in contract talks with him. It was flavour of the month, getting after bench week in, week out. That's died a death and he doesn't seem to make squads anymore. The, the the scales thing as well, look, I know they were talking about scapegoats regards Burnaby. For me, Liam Scales is the, the biggest scapegoat in that team. I don't think there is a person that would disagree that Liam Scales is probably second on the list for, for our Player of the Year award this year. Anytime we have a bad result, it's Liam Scales that gets slaughtered. And look, Liam Scales' distribution is terrible. But Liam Scales' distribution has been terrible all season. It shouldn't be a centre-half's job to play as an attacking midfielder. It was like when we signed Shane Duffy. Shane Duffy, I'd fucking tackle your granny, but we're trying to get him to play football and dribble the ball across the halfway line. Sign a player. If you don't think Liam Scales is that player, which he clearly isn't, he, his qualities lie elsewhere in the defensive side of it, but don't ask him to be the one to carry the ball out. Make it be Carter Vickers. Make it be Welsh. Navrotsky is arguably, for what we've seen, passing the ball through the eye a needle. I sometimes, you'll shite yourself when he does it, but more often than know it was coming off. And for me, as I say, it just screams a desperation. And actually, it's weird to say you feel sorry for Scales when, when you say that you think that Mace would, would have him second in the list. But in this season, it's probably no that great praise. But for me, as I say, Liam Scales' distribution isn't great. We know it's not great. It's no. It's never been great. He's not that player. So why do we persist in asking him to do it? That, that again, that falls in the manager, similar to what I said with the wingers. And, but, in, but in terms of the team, I, what I would be an eye, but I, I don't expect much of a, a change elsewhere, to be honest. Willie, can I ask you a question on Aye. the back of James, just to get you involved? So... If we've got all of our centre backs fit, would you play Cameron Carter Vickers with uh, Rocky? Rocky, who's good with distribution, he's happy to to take the risky passes to split the lines. Cameron Carter Vickers, who obviously provides um, solidity, and he's actually good at passing, but he's not going to like, push up into the, the opposition part. So, would you drop scales to? Accommodate Navrotsky and Cameron Carter Vickers, or would you stick with Scales and risk the season with it? Uh, I, I personally would stick with Scales. I, I think he's, I think he's been excellent this season. And for me, um, I, I think you've got plenty. Well, they've not showed it this season so far, but there's plenty of creativity on the park, like that should be doing that job. And I, I think that from what I've seen for Navrotsky so far this season, he, he's had a quite a lot of bomb scare moments and for me first and foremost I want my defender to defend and I think I, I don't think anybody can argue Scales has been head and shoulders above everybody in our squad when it comes to that 
So for me, I would I, I would stick with scales in it. Like you, Gavin, I, I've loved seeing a, a sort of left-sided centre-half on that left-hand side as well. Um, I would like to see more of Rocky because I think it's a bit harsh for what I'm saying. Um, and I don't know, like you said earlier, about I, I trust the gaffer and, and, and what he sees in training. And uh, he's, there's a five million pound defender came in, and he can't get a game ahead of Stephen Welsh. I, I would, what does that say? Um, I think that speaks volumes, and I, I think it'd be really harsh in skills if he was dropped personally. Can I say one other thing? And I'm sorry for holding. No, no, of here. course, no, not at all. Look, we are struggling for creativity. I watched um, the Celtic by Numbers podcast. I think. Um, they do a lot of statistical analysis, uh, analysis, and they they, they they spoke about a quote from Marcelo Bielsa, and Marcelo Bielsa said that if you are struggling to create chances, then what he looks at is his defenders, not the attacking players. Now, I disagree with James about um, Skills' distribution. Well, the owner should be on the midfielders, but we acknowledge. Calmack um, marked out the game against Kamalak, and we had no response for that. Um, we need to be more innovative than relying on him to, to kind of spark movement, um, to, to, to kind of spark a, a, an attack. It needs to come from the centre-backs. There's so much responsibility right now. I think we're kind of sleeping on the responsibility of the centre-backs. So much is demanded from them. And because we have to get the lion's share of possession and teams are just happy to sit back against us, more so at Parkhead. So I think with scales right now, and everybody as as a as a result of this kind of slump in confidence, people are not afraid to 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 take responsibility, to take ownership, um, to yeah. take the game by the scruff of the neck. Now, if our centre backs are doing that, then how on earth are we going to be able to distribute the ball to the players who need the ball? Um, I think it needs to start with the centre-backs. And if Scales, he's had a great start to the season, but right now he's not doing it. And I think we need to put aside the sentimentality of how great he's done. Yeah, he'll probably get a renewed contract at the end of the season, but right now we need to spark a change. And if we're going to continue with Scales, then I think that we need to resign ourselves to second place. I would put Navrotsky in with Cameron Carter-Vickers. That's how they started the season. Let's finish it like that and see what happens. Navrotsky is happy to play those riskier passes to break the lines, not just pass it to Cam uh, to, to Kalmak and say, go, let, let's do something. Start him. Start Navrotsky ahead of skills. Bring back Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's now fit. I think AJ will be available for the Motherwell game. I know that we'll go into that for our, our kind of lineup, But do that. Because if we've got no creativity, no bravery in the centre backs, then the, everybody else will suffer. We've got twelve games to the rescue this season. If you deliberate any more on that particular decision, then I think we'll suffer the consequences. That's a fair point. I mean, Brendan, that you know, that is Brendan's style. He likes a ball playing defender that kind of brings it forward. So you're making a fair point. And Michael Ross totally agrees with you. So you've at least got one. One more on your side, uh, but skills, skill. Listen, skills will be loving the fact Greg Taylor's back, so that he's not the whipping boy anymore. Because Gregory's <laughs> back, so he'll be starting getting pelters again. Um, uh, some some good points made, but we're going to move on. And uh, the sort of news that was broke yesterday, I think it was, and um, our, our, our number one, our keeper Joe Hart's announced his uh, retirement at the end of the season. James, um, 
In fact, I think I've got a quote for what he said because I think I think he sort of needed to say this anyway, but he sort of said um, to everybody at Celtic, this message is for clarification and so we can all move together on the same page. I'll do my best to express what your amazing club means to me once this season concludes and I'll share how honoured I am to have represented it for three years. Until then, I'll give my all to ensure a successful finish this season with you. Thank you for your unwavering support. Now, before we go on and talk about, like, you know, the, the sort of impact he's made or, or the sort of negative impact he's made in some people's eyes, probably, um, since he's came to the club, what what do you feel about the, the timing of the announcement? I, I thought it was a bit of a strange one. What did you? How did you feel about it? He's obviously going to have to now come out and make that statement, how he's going to give his all for the club and all the rest of it. But, I mean... That that like that sort of could have been kept in house till the end of the season, and when you needed to sort of make that statement, what what do you feel about the timing of it all? Oh, again, the cynic in me. Um, <laughs> the, to me, he's come out and say that, but again, it just screams a absolutely nay forward planning. Again, we're going to have to be reactive. So there's an element a look. We have spoke about it. We spoke about it on here. I know, obviously, it was out a contract in the summer, but it was just kind of assumed. Well, for me personally, I assumed they would maybe move on to America or possibly even Saudi Arabia because I think he gets a a club out there just in name value alone, if if nothing else. And look, yeah. Joe Hart's been our best player since since we've come back. Excuse me, sorry, since we came back for the winter break. Um, but as I say, on name value, I think he gets a contract there there for a year or two. Um, the fact he's coming out now and telling us, I mean, as I say, the, the cynic in me tells us he, he knows it's something that we're talking about and yeah. he's just wanting it to, to put us at ease, um, which, again, for me, maybe I'm just a fucking torn-faced cunt, but it, it doesn't reflect great on the board, um, again, or the recruitment side of it. I, I personally wanted Joe Hart replaced last summer. I think he was didn't... going to be, to be fair though, I think he was always going to be replaced this summer, wasn't he? Aye, aye, definitely, but I mean, in terms of, there, there isn't any option there now, like no, Rangers aye. did with Alan McGregor, just to go, alright, yep. well, we're kind of struggling here, going to sign on for another year, that option is now, well, to be fair, maybe it has, he could always change his mind, but for outside looking at that option is, is totally now gone, um, which screams, yeah, as I say, a lack of forward planning, um, we're going to be reactive again, but that that's my take on it in terms of his announcement, but in terms of the guy himself, I mean, he's been a as much as I've maybe criticised him this season in the in the first half of the season. Overall, he's been a great signing. Um, you think about the guys replaced in Barkas, it's absolutely night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic signing and a, a really really likable guy. He comes across well in all his interviews, and if you said that to me what, four years ago, I would have never have believed you, because I always thought he came across as a bit of a dick, to be honest, in any interviews he'd done. But he's a, he's totally changed my opinion on him. He's a really, really likeable guy. And as I say, he's been a great sign, and I wish him all the best. But as I say, boardroom level again, for me, it's just reactionary. Yeah, Gavin, your thoughts on Joe Hart? And especially, you know, the sort of, the timing of the announcement. I mean, and and to be fair, what James is saying there, I know you say you sort of get a lot of 
previous players or, or managers to an extent saying certain things, you know, sort of to get the, the fans on side and quoting certain, you know, uh, famous sayings for Celtic folklore and all the rest of it to get them aside. But I, I, I truly believe everything that Joe Hart says when he, he, he talks about the club and his love for them. And um, I think he's yet another one that I don't think he realised how big we were and, and until he came up here. I think he's been a fantastic representative for the club. Um a great leader that in the dressing room I feel that we're gonna lose. But uh what's your thoughts on, on Joe Hart's term at the club? What do you think we're gonna like sort of miss when he does go? That sort of leadership maybe. And uh also this uh, the uh, the biggest thing for me is just the, the sort of timing of the announcement. Yeah, the timing. Um so he said in his interview um that he did it, I'm paraphrasing, to kind of stop the the kind of the, the, the chatter. Um, he said that obviously people knew that his contract was coming up at the end of the season, so people were obviously going to be talking about the goalkeeping situation. Um, so he's he's going to announce it now to to give clarity that he will be leaving. Um, which I I think it, from our perspective from what when we are talking about things like this on a podcast, it's good to know that. It's good to know what situation we will be in come yeah. the end of the, the season. I, th- I think if I was reading between the lines in his interview, I think that if the Celtic board had offered him a new contract, then he would have been open to that. But what he has said is that he has no intention of joining a new club. So I, I took from that that, if he never had the contract extension from Celtic, then he was just going to call it quits. Yep. And there's something really, really kind of nice. I should really try and come up with a better word for that. But something really kind of nice about being able to kind of end your career on your own terms. Like some people, um, so many people in football have continued and continued until the, the, their body shuts down. It makes me think of like Eric Cantona, who... Um, who quit football right. at the age of like 30 or 31 at Man U when he was still maybe just slightly past his prime, you know, but it was it was a, a surprise to everybody. And he kinda he did it on his own terms. Joe Hart for 36 years old, I think whenever his contract ends, he'll be 37. But he said that he's still in physically really, really good shape. And yep. it's it's quite nice, quite refreshing um to, to hear a professional footballer be in charge, be in control of, of their own destiny and that's what he's done in terms of what it's going to leave us with a massive massive void in terms of leadership I, I said that in the group chat with you guys yesterday um, with the change uh, the, the, whenever Ange took took charge of our club, with all the changes that he had to make um, with the turnover that he faced it was a massive massive turnover and the style of play that he was trying to implement it would have been so much harder for him to achieve what he achieved in those two years without the leadership of Joe Hart. The likes of him, Greg Taylor, Cal McGregor, gave him a platform to implement those changes. I know that Cal McGregor, I'm oh, sorry, I know that Joe Hart will have a lot of detractors and I was vocal in his criticism as well to an extent, but what he what he, he lacked in, he made up for in leadership in terms of him um, being vocal, uh, been able to talk to his defence. Um, he was a great shot stopper as well. I felt, uh, despite his age. Um, by the way, this season has really, really rankled me that he seems afraid of catching the ball. 
He always seems intent on punching it. And it's made me think, has he always been like that in his career? Has he always been uh, afraid to catch the ball? Is it, does he not have confidence to be able to do that? Like, I think that's like a, a very, very basic skill for a goalkeeper. Um, that's that's annoyed me. But on the whole, he's been he's a, been a fantastic servant for Celtic. Um, it really, really has. And I, I guess that's one thing that I'm aware of now come this summer. I think we've already got a rebuild in our hands. Um, Ange's team, mm-hmm. for one reason or another, it's no longer working. And now Hart is left as well. So we need to get a new goalkeeper. And the harrowing thing is, is that we've learned, we've spent five million in Barkas, and Christ Almighty, I know that the COVID year was really, really bad. It kind of hampered him. But Christ, five million in a goalkeeper, you think you're going to have a, a sure thing, and it's been opposite. And then we spend one million in Joe Hart, and we have what he had. You know, he's a treble winner. He can leave with his uh, head held high. Um, I was going to finish off with one other point. Which I think I might have forgotten. Yeah, I've probably forgotten that point. I think it was a good point. I've, I've forgotten it now. So I'm just going to just doing a rush. Yeah. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah I, I totally echo that. I've, I've, I've always been a big Joe Hart fan since he's came in. I think he's been, like you said, he's, he's, he's been fantastic for the club. I think he's a wonderful representative. Um, I don't know what his plans are afterwards, but if he, if there was a sort of coaching capacity with his leadership skills, I think that that would be, you know, great for the club. Um, yeah, all the best. I really hope that we can get a couple of trophies for him and, and he leaves, he finishes his career on a high. Um, we're going to go on to next. Whatever. Oh, you've got it. He's got it. He's got it. <laughs> And this, this was what I was going to ask. Okay, childlike enthusiasm here. Out of all the goalkeepers in your lifetime as a Celtic fan, apart from Boric, apart from Forster, who's the third best? Apart from Aye. the good ones. <laughs> Aye, it's no fucking Barca's Poppadom hands anyway. <laughs> um, I heart's right up there. Who have we got? Jonathan Gould, Jonathan Gould, Craig Gordon. Gordon, aye. Aye, it's Hunter Gordon. It's tough to say between the two, but he's... I mean, we've had some absolute shockers, haven't we, in the last 30, 40 years. Absolute shockers, so... That annoys me. You see, whenever you compare us to our closest rivals. Yeah. They, they always kind of valued goalkeeper as a, a position. Yeah. Well, you had to get it right. And I think that we, we just gambled too much. There's well, so another point. They, they didn't play Kloss and Yemi was on the bench for them at one point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that like, speaks volumes. They're they're both better than like most of the keepers we've had in the past 30 years. Right, but he's, he's finished, <laughs> isn't he? I know. Well, I don't know how he's not been called up for Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> he's not finished. <laughs> not, well, f- funnily enough, fucking uh, funny batch of old pictures and it was... Um, it was my, my first game, fucking, was it 97 it was, and it was Gordon Marshall on the, the front cover of the programme for that day, but it put me in mind, mind the picture, um, was it Shea Given, Brad Friedel, Stuart Kerr, and Gordon Marshall, I think there might have been another Stuart one Kerr. as well, but the ones that we signed were Stuart Kerr and Gordon Marshall and let Shea Given and Brad Friedel go. <laughs> Sorry, Brad Friedel? Right. Aye, he, aye. he was on our books. 
Aye, he's a boy. There's right. a picture. Um, picture going about. I think there might be a fifth goal in it. I could be talking talking nonsense. It might just be the four. But the I two don't that we signed. Aye, it was just, must have been the same time as Shea Given. Um, the two that we signed was Stuart Kerr and Gordon Marshall. Oh, here's a shout here. Punch McNuggets. Uh, comment tonight. Best keeper outside the, the, the guys you named, Connor Goldson. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Punch. Um, right, let's move on to what everybody's probably want to talk about. Uh, as, even though we've been talking about other subjects, it's been going on in the chat, and that is you, you sort of announcements today. The um, the the sort of uh, interim profits. Uh, Gavin, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to read the. Just going to read a couple of these out. Um, sort of stuff I've screenshotted to say. I, I've not actually seen like Lawwell's. I don't know if there is a video interview or whatever. I've not seen any yet because I've been busy today, but I'm just going to read out these things. So Celtic have revealed that they have £67 million in the bank in their interim PLC report for the six months ending in December 2023. The Parkhead side also made a pre-tax profit of £32 million with revenue rising from £76.5 million last year to £85.2 million this year. Now, this is from uh, Lawwell himself, I believe. Since the opening of the transfer window in June 2023 and up to the end of the winter transfer window, which closed on the 1st of February 2024, we have committed £23.9 million in player investment. This is a bit of James Loves. Within this, we renewed and extended the contracts of Cameron Carter-Vickers, Liela Bada, Matt O'Reilly, Anthony Ralston and Rio Hitati. So that's these these uh, renewals are included in the invest the player investment. The board's commitment is to strengthen and improve the playing squad in every transfer window. And although resources were unavailable, were available, sorry, although resources were available, we were unable to further add to the squad due to the unavailability of un- of identified targets. This was disappointing to us all, and never the intention. The January transfer window is notoriously difficult as clubs are very reluctant to let their best players go at such a crucial time of the season, just as we are. Indeed, we resisted strong interest in our players from other clubs. It is notable that transfer activity in England was the lowest it has been for over 10 years. James loves this. Excluding the impact of COVID-19, a number of reasons have been cited for this, including the absence of suitable players and now UEFA regulations which impose spending caps. What do you make of that, Gavin? Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that uh, there, there was rumours before that that we were going to announce um, like a <laughs> cash of up to like ninety odd million. Uh, it, it does nothing to alleviate the 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 dissent um, from the, the Celtic fans. End of the day, we still have money in the bank, and uh, we're not we're not utilising it. I do actually agree with him to an extent about the January transfer um, window, but really, if you were expecting four quality signings in January, then fuck me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll build them in it. What do you make him? Um, see, we, see how he said that. Like, he, he sort of, he sort of, he's pretty much saying the money was there to spend. But we didn't because whatever targets were. Is that is that him having a go at a recruitment team then? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. If you have identified, if you've done your homework and you said, for us to realistically either 
consolidate or go to the next level. These are the types of players that we want to buy. So these are your positions, and we've got whatever three players for each of these positions. These are the guys that you want. And if they're not available in the January transfer window, then what you meant to do? What you meant to do? You, you're going to throw another ten million. You make you're going to double the price to to make the selling club sell the, the, the asset. That that's poor finance. So I don't think he's throwing his son under a bus. I think he's given a bit of truth to the matter. Um, well, I'm not a, a, a supporter of of the Lawwells, but you were genuinely thinking that we were going to bring in four quality players in January. I think I think that's too gullible. Um, so no, I, I I don't think he was throwing his son under a bus there. No. The, I mean, did you know, just listen to what Willie read out, we signed <laughs> O'Reilly, Hatati, fucking Ralston and Leah Labada. They all came in in January, Gav. That's four quality players right there. I mean, honestly, see with that statement, where do you even start with it? I, I don't think he's threw his son under a bus. I think he's threw him under a fucking Arctic lorry. I mean, the the thing about uh, players, uh, the, the, I can't remember the exact quote, but when he's talking about um, recruiting players and players not been available. How long have we heard about we've got a list? If he's not available, we'll move on to the next one. If he's not available, we'll move on to the next one. Oh, Gav's on hosting duty. <laughs> nah, but um, we've heard if he's not available, we'll move on to the next one. If the next one's not available, we'll move on to the, the third in the list. You know, for me, and I think I actually kind of say that a few weeks ago, the, the own Beck thing in January, just highlights how entirely how I think we operate the now. We have a link with the Portuguese guy whose name I have just forgotten, um, Araujo. We have a link with him prior to the Windy Open, and then apparently it transpired that basically we'd been priced out a move before the Windy had even opened, so that was never on the table. As I said previously, this Owen Beck fell into a lap in the first half of the season on loan at Dundee. He then goes back to Liverpool. We are linked to him, trying to get him in the door. He plays a game for Liverpool. It becomes impossible for us to sign him. That happened a good week or so before the window shut. I, I felt it was nigh on impossible for us not to sign a left-back in January. <laughs> um, for his notice sign a left back in January Taylor then gets injured at the point when Taylor gets injured if we don't sign a left back then it's sheer negligence notice sign a left back as we were going to see with, with Burnaby's attempts at playing but the own back thing it was the only real left back throughout the full windy that we were linked with so I, I genuinely and I don't say this to be dramatic I genuinely think we identify a position that we want to sign and then we'll identify one player and we'll scout that one player and go for him if he doesn't want to come then that's us up shit creek without a paddle again the Chris Garden guy for Bronby is yeah. arguably another one he was really the only striker we were seriously linked to I think the Miofsky and the Shanklin stuff was maybe just mere rumours and supporter talk but there seemed to be Chris Garden was the name that wouldn't go away throughout the full windy. 
that then doesn't happen. And then it's like, right, we need a striker. There's an Irish guy that's not getting a game in the championship. We'll bring him in. And again, that was exactly obviously what happened. The player contracts thing, what was it? £24 million or £23-whatever-million pounds that we've spent on player transfers, recruitment, however they've worded it. Absolute bullshit. Absolute nonsense. Matt O'Reilly is going to be away in the summer for even more profit to go on the balance sheet. Leah Labada is going to be away probably in the summer, if no sooner. So that's even more profit to be added on. The Rousing thing is even up for debate if he should have been been offered a, a contract. Um, aye, 100%. 100%. The, the recruitment is a shambles. And it's obviously sheer nepotism that, that's led us to this point. But it's a shambles, it's laziness, whatever you want to call it. It's non-existent. Um, and then it gets to the end and you've got fucking all the excuses of the day about teams in England. Somebody want to have a wee word to them and tell them, we, firstly, we don't play in England. Secondly, the chances of getting in and signing these quality players for the Premier League is nigh on impossible to non-existent considering the budgets that we'd be shopping I mean they're talking about the English market and we're signing a guy that can't get a game in the championship so it's just absolute excuses the The English market I get it potentially could have a slight knock-on effect but it's not an excuse you can't no sign a player and then go Man City never signed anybody so what can we do it's absolute fucking excuses galore we must be the only club in the world that we can sit as a support and know we've got tens and tens of millions of pounds in the bank. And then in the run-up to the figures coming out, you're like, that, well, they're going to need to try and make it look like we're spending money on something. Fuck, Jerry, get Jerry on the phone. Jerry, go and stick that fucking drone up at that building site and we'll stick a wee video the day before it comes out. You can't tell me that isn't the time to perfection for that exact reasoning. The Joe Hart thing, the cynic in me, is it a deflection tactic? And there can't be another club in the planet that will announce financial results and say, we wanted to sign players, but it's hard, isn't it? And my, my son's in charge of the recruitment, but... I, we did struggle and we, we did try, but Man City didn't sign anybody, Man United didn't sign anybody, Liverpool didn't spend as much money as they normally did. Absolute nonsense, man. For, literally, if we start to finish, it is just bullshit. Just come out and say, we've not got any money, we've made an arse yet, we'll try and get better in the summer. That is literally, you'd have so much more respect for it. James, look, at risk of being so unpopular in the comments from my perspective, See, with the January kind of transfer targets, like you're talking about a left-back with Owen Beck. Now, I've never even watched a YouTube clip with Owen Beck, but say Owen Beck is not what Brendan Rodgers wants. Um, say that he really wanted X, Y, and Z, but like, say it's true that we identified targets, the proper targets who would make us better, but we just couldn't get them because it's January and nobody wants to sell good players in January. Do, do you not buy that for a second, or are you, are you beyond accepting that? Nobody wanted to sell good players in the summer. The recruitment in the summer was fucking horrendous. We needed a no. left-back in the summer. Hey, put the summer to the side. January, though. January, OK. We, we, we made an arse of it. I am totally with you about the summer. We made an arse of it in, in the summer. But it comes to January, 
we want to get players who are going to be better than us. So somebody made the comment like, what would have been better? To not sign the players because we can't get the quality that we really, really want or just signing more mediocre players to, to, to appease some fans. What if we brought in a left back who we would have been like, fuck yeah, this guy's better than Burnaby, but he's still not better than Taylor. But what what would you rather? Are, are, are you are you are you beyond thinking that that is actually a truthful that that just that segment? I've not I've not read the full thing about Peter Lowell. Okay, I was only aware of this statement just before we went live. But the thing about the January transfer window, like that's my point. I no look we even the O'Reilly thing, and look, I I don't disagree with it necessarily. But see, to put that O'Reilly thing on a statement that we've put our name to, to come out and say, we rejected big offers. You didn't. You rejected a loan offer in the money in the summer. You're still going to get the money in the summer. And see, regards what you're saying, look, I agree, January will be a, a difficult, well, it will be more difficult to sign players than in the summer. I 100% agree with that. But it's no an excuse not to sign him. <laughs> like, the Miofsky thing, and I've just, like, I know it was rumours, but the Miofsky thing, the rumour was they wanted, what was it, four and a half or five million. Now, if the option was get Adam Eden in a six-month loan, he'll score a couple of penalties, but apart from that, he'll not really do much else, if we're being totally honest. Argue and sign a guy that has proven quality in the league that we are trying to win, but it will maybe cost you four and a half, five million. But it's sound because we've got fucking X amount of million in the bank and we're going to get made in the summer through player sales. Go out and sign me off, then. Anything else is just an excuse. You can't. See that though, James, do you not think that because everybody was screaming about Champions League quality in the summer? And for me, for me, I, I would want somebody that's going to come in and challenge Kyogo, and, and Mayovsky wasn't that for me. But obviously, since then, he's obviously he's, he's been setting the league alight and all that. And I, to, I do agree, he would have done a job at us. But do you not think that, for the Celtics' point of view, then they, they're they're thinking in the summer that they're want to get they're want to try and get a top player that, that challenges Kyogo? Why would I spend money on Mayovsky for six months when I can get? Well, that's obviously why they've got Idan no. because there's no one option to buy. They've obviously just got him in. To get us to the it's summer panic. before, because because summer is just is going to be a massive turnover in the squad. A hundred percent, but it didn't need to be that way. And look, I I don't say this with the benefit of hindsight. The recruitment in the summer was shite. We didn't need to. What was it? Ten or twelve players or something we signed. We didn't need to sign that many players. The team had just won a treble. We lost the manager. Of course, that's a massive impact. We lose Jota. Up, most creative player, of course, that's going to have an impact. But I mean, I, I feel as if I'm going to go blue in the face saying it. Just go out and sign a player for six or seven million pounds. Recent history shows you get what you pay for. Barkas and a Yeti, I know, is a name that's going to get flung out. But for a million pound mayor, you're getting Carter Vickers or Jota. A few years ago, we signed Christopher Julian for, what was it, £7 million. We signed Eddie for £9 million. They were all good signings. And I know they were on loan, so it's slightly different. Maybe that's something we can look into a wee bit more. But to go in the summer, and as I say, I I don't say this with the benefit of hindsight, because I think we would all agree at the time, we replaced Jota with Tilio, Palma, and somebody else that I'm missing, Yang. Yang. I mean... 
I know I've defended Palmer earlier, but he's nowhere near. You could combine the three of them and be nowhere near Jota's level. See that though, mate. See my argument against that is like is that panic in January then? Because see for me personally, I don't know about you, but if you if if we if if Beck and Mayovsky were two guys coming in the summer, I, I would be massively underwhelmed with their yes, two signings. A hundred percent, and so would I. But in in the summer, you look to in summer you've got the Champions League to go. You look to kick on in Europe. Come January, we're only in the Champions League, and we're no a million points clear in the league. We, obviously, we had a lead at that point, but we knew we were in a title race, so. The notion of signing players for the Champions League when you haven't done it the summer before when you should have done it is then even more pie in the sky. In January, just sign players that's going to get you all the line in the league. Then we can revisit it again in the summer. The, the as I say, the recruitment... Aye, but for a business point of view, you're not going to spend five million on a player just to punt them again six months later for Maybe less money. But, yeah. But, <laughs> fucking Paul Hartley and Barry Robson weren't available this, this winter. Really, we couldn't do that. We could, we couldn't just sign players and we're good enough to get us how, over the line for, for this title. So you're saying if we went out and signed Miofsky, you, you don't think bringing in Bojan Miofsky for four or five million would be a better signing than bringing in Adam Eden in a six-month loan? Right, you bring in Miofsky. Yeah, well, Miofsky is a better, better player than Ida. However, you're, you're, you're shelling out four and a half million for him. Shelling we've got tens of million well. in the bank. Right, okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to drop Kyogo? Our top goal scorer for Mayovsky. You've just said that you think Mayovsky's a better player than Ida. We brought in Ida and dropped Kyogo. Kyogo does yeah, not that, suit Roger's style. That that represents such a big like, signing. Four and a half million plus the wages for that player. We're going to give him a, like, a five and a half contract because that, that, how, how how does that represent a big signing? It's a million no, pound like, more financial than investment. It represents, it represents a big financial investment. It's a million pound more than we signed Kun for. On a five and a half year deal, it's a different. Uh, well, we needed wingers. Okay, like, that, that 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 was just a bad signing. But for for if, are you going to spend four and a half million for a guy who's not going to be your first choice striker? That's what I don't get. Yogo's a better I'm, player than Mayovsky for your centre forward. I don't get your logic, honestly. Okay, right, we okay. brought in Maida well, and Maida. Uh, sorry, just, Maida. Just to recap. I wouldn't spend four and a half million on a player who's going to sit on the bench as the understudy for Kyogo. I wouldn't do that. I don't think that gets us over the line for the title. I How don't many think games that has happened. Ida? So we signed Ida in January. How many games has Ida missed since he signed? Ida's been a terrible solution. But how many games has he missed since he signed? Uh, none. Right, so there's my argument. <laughs> if you can't even... But we, all, we, all, we all thought Ida was going to be Obviously, always away. Well, always nowhere near good enough. Anyway, but always away um, at the Asian Cup. Everybody's screaming, "We just need a striker." Nobody's going to dislodge Kyogo in the first team. Um, we're just going to bring it because we're not going to get. Do you think Kyogo's undroppable this season? Um, I mean, he's not been. He's obviously not been firing all cylinders, but he's still got a decent goal return. And there's no way Dessels, my has scored more than Kyogo. Would you take there's no, way my, there's no way my Oski's getting on that team of four Kyogo for me. I, I and mean, all, we, all, all we've done is so what you're saying is you're going to get these guys in, but you're going to get better quality in, and then we're going to have to punt them in six months. But it's fine because we've got 
We've got no, cash in the bank. No, uh, that's not at all what I'm saying. That, uh, but that's what you say. He's, uh, he no, said, my no, 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 to come in no. and he's not good enough. And you no. said, but we've got cash in the bank so we can we can no. spend it. Right. But so, that's what that's why we're in the situation we're in. We've got no, no, we've got how, a hundred wingers because we've got na- we've got a hundred wingers. None of them are good enough to get in the squad. Right. And we're going to punt them all, and we're just clogging up this squad. We've got far too many bang average players, and I think Majovski's bang average. I think he would have done a job for us. But I think if we're going to spend money for him for six months to just punt him again... But we want to spend the money on him for six months. Would we spend the money on Kuhn for six months? Or was it a five-and-a-half-year contract? Yeah, well, he, but if I knew... If, if Kuhn was playing in the league and I seen Aye, what he was doing and I would 100%. say he's garbage, then I would disagree with that as well. I, I Honestly, I don't know if I'm being thick, but I really don't get your argument. I don't get how you can tell me that you openly admit that Miofsky is a better player than Adamida, which... I think we would all agree on. Aye, but if we got if we got Majowski on loan for six months without paying a penny for him and just paying his wages, then I would have went fucking let's do it a hundred percent. And he's but gone Jay, back to his club in six months. Right, so you're defending the summer recruitment. As I say, in the summer you are in the Champions League. No, Sign your the Champions I'm League about players, the right? Aye. No, no, no. In the summer so, we should have signed Champions League quality players. Majowski's right. not that though. Right, 100%. So that is my point, right? So come January, you're in a dogfight for a title race. Just get it out of the line. Sign Miofsky for £4.5 If Miofsky comes in and scores 10 goals and you've got a £60 million bounty at the end of it, do you think we'd all be sitting saying, fucking £4.5 for Miofsky and he's only come in and won his league? Of course you wouldn't. It, that's, that's not how football works. We've signed Kuhn for £3.5 in a five-and-a-half-year contract. And not one person has made that same argument that you're making, as I'm saying, for Miofsky. No, or, or uh, no saying it new, but I mean, <laughs> at the time, it just does not make any sense. Nay signing is a guarantee of success. Agreed. So, so I, I really, I honestly don't get it. You're saying about Oban away, but Ove was away if we signed Miofsky as well. And I get what you're saying. I'm not saying sign Miofsky for six months. I mean, I think there's every possibility we could right. revisit the Miofsky thing in the summer and sign him. Right, so so you, you're saying, okay, just to kind of bring it back, you're saying that because we're up shit creek without a paddle right now, we should have given Aberdeen whatever money that they wanted to sign Miofsky to hopefully, as a gamble, to win the league. And then we address it in the summer. And if he's not good enough for us, then he goes back to being second fiddle when we bring in a better striker. Just to but, win the league, we make that gamble financially. Aye. I, I mean, I, I, without sounding like an arsehole, or we know a Fitbit team, what, what, who gives a fuck about the balance sheet? The balance sheet is profit. We know it's profit. So why not spend the money, win the league, 60 million bounty and everything that comes with it? We didn't. We didn't do that in the summer, and then it gets to, um, it gets to January. Well, in a hole, as I say, I know we were still ahead at the time, but I think everybody knew we were we were in a title race. So, why would you know then spend to look to get over the line to get the sixty million bounty at the end of the season? And regardless, uh, even the sixty million bounty, just in terms of it was what we needed. I mean, it's the same with the left-back scenario. If we signed a left-back, you're still going to have three left-backs in the book. You can only play one. But it just so happens that we needed that improvement in there. If we signed Owen Beck, is Owen Beck a a better tail than Greg Taylor? I don't know. 
but we needed a left back. You, I, 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 I don't know if we just sign loan players in January or the players that we do sign don't get a contract. I, I honestly don't get your argument. Right. To, to be honest, on reflection, when I think about it, James, I do, I do see your point. I do see your point. I guess two things which make me kind of hesitant about that is see whenever we really needed a win against the Huns this season, it was Kyogo. And he was the man in the moment who who had two amazing strikes against the Huns. And he was the, the difference between us two. At Ibrooks and a Parkhead, brilliant, brilliant strikes. I don't know if Majowski could do that, but when he I has. think about your point, pardon me? He has. He scored against Celtic and Rangers within a week of each other this season. Aye, aye. I just think that, well, perhaps... Um, Although we can beat Rangers, one thing that we do struggle is playing against everybody else. And maybe Majowski could have been a difference maker. Even Shankland could have been a difference maker for that. The other thing that just makes me hesitant about buying people for the short term is the fact that we've made we've got a, a list as long as your arm about players that we've got on our books that we're trying to get rid of who we know are not Celtic quality. Right, can, can I just come back, right, and I know we're getting hung up on the, the Miofsky thing. See, come the summer, in my opinion, we've got a, I wouldn't say major, but we've got quite a substantial rebuild on our hands. See, if we had recruited, as we should, last summer and then in January, that substantial rebuild wouldn't be there. Now, we need a goalkeeper, Hart's retiring, I think we needed a, we needed a goalkeeper last summer. We need a left-back because Burnaby clearly can't cut it and I personally think we can get better than Greg Taylor and the money that we'd be looking to spend. If Lager Bielka goes, if he doesn't fancy Navrotsky, there's every chance we might need another centre-half. Tony Ralston, look, I'm gone absolute worst-case scenario, but I'd be looking for better than Ralston. You could argue that we might need better than Johnson after back of what we've seen this season. We're not going to be spending six million on Bernardo because he's no worth it. So we're going to need another central midfielder. You've already said that you don't think a what is the answer long term. So you could state a case that we need another two central midfielders. Ida's going back to Norwich. So we're going to need another striker in the summer regardless. And we've all sat and acknowledged on eight that the wingers aren't good enough. So you could state a very good case that we're going to need two wingers. As I say, that's coming at it for a total glass empty worst case scenario view. But in Mahid, so many of that, or so much of that, could have been negated over the last two transfer windows. Well, we've just totally ignored it and slept walk into the position of winning a treble and then 12 months later facing quite a substantial refund, eh, refund rebuild. Mate, it, this, it feels as if we're a ball here away for getting beat on on the phone to come in and play centre-half for the Champions League games. That's I, I don't understand. I, I just don't understand how you can defend anything a day with the recruitment. No, I'm not defending anything with the recruitment. Um, I just... Just for me, like I said, I, I just feel like... And I totally understand what you're saying. When we want to win this league, we, we should be buying these players. And I do think Majowski would have came in and uh, I think he probably would have done a job for us. But for me, and I understand the situation when you're talking about that, I just look at the summer and think, like I said, if, if my obscure or somebody that was coming in, I'd have been really underwhelmed. And I'm wanting players to come in 
that are going to challenge for a for a shot. And personally, I just don't believe that Mayovsky could challenge for that number nine, well, number nine shot, uh, that that shot up front. I just don't think he's he's a required quality. As much as I totally agree with you, him coming in would have given us a massive boost, a different. And if it's a choice between him and Ida, hundred percent Mayovsky all day, every day, twice on Sundays. But I think well, that's where I'm getting lost in this argument because you're telling me that you think Miofsky's a better player than Adamida. Adamida's yeah. played every game since right. he came in, but you're telling me Miofsky wouldn't get a game for Celtic. How does that make sense? Because I'm I not picking I... the team. I wouldn't pick either for every game for Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think either I think either's the wrong solution. At the same time, we're not giving the service to Kyogo. Do you think? Look, look, you you really do make a lot of good points because I think the majority of people in the viewers here agree with you, James. Okay, so okay, that, that that's to your credit. See if we had to spend like upwards to six million on on Mayovsky, but the following season we realise he's not good enough to be our main centre forward for Celtic. Is that money well spent? But is that not the exact, literally the exact same as we've done in the summer? We've spent five million on Navrotsky. I know, now, but Nenias are defending the summer window. That's the problem. So we're not like the summer window has been a disaster. It's about it's about repeating so I, the same mistakes. So that's exact same. If we did that in January, it's exact logic, same as the summer window. But I, I honestly, I don't understand <laughs> what you mean because would you not say the exact same if you signed a guy on a free? You need to give players contracts. You can't have a squad for our own players. No, I agreed. I agreed, but they need to be good enough. I does not. Right, but <laughs> I'm not I, picking I, the team. I wouldn't hear so him starting. I wouldn't hear either spent, starting. So we've spent eight and a half million on two guys that can't get a team. Uh, two guys that can't get in the team over so two guys another, that were already here and no getting a game. So it's been another shocker, Wendy. We're not. I'm not defending so that because of that. We don't sign Miofsky in January. I, no, honestly, I'm no, not even trying to be a dick. I just not, don't follow the argument. Not, it's not because of that. Like they've obviously not improved the team. I'm not defending that. I, if I if we could turn back time, um, bit of share in there. Uh, if we could turn back time, I wouldn't have signed. I wouldn't have signed. I wouldn't have signed either of the two players. I'm not defending that. But in the same token, I don't think Mayowski would have improved the first eleven either. So that's been shocking as a whole. I'm not defending any. I'm not defending either signing. I'm not defending Kuhn signing. So, so it's the exact same token. So. No, I, don't, I don't get it, mate, honestly. I don't get how <laughs> how you can sit and watch Miofsky score at Parkhead, oh, sorry, Petodria, score against Celtic, score against Rangers, score umpteen goals this season. Look, I'm not saying Miofsky's a better player than Kyogo. That, I don't know if that's maybe getting lost. I think Kyogo's by far the better player. But does he fit Rodgers' style? No, he doesn't, if we're being totally honest. And we've seen that. Do you think Miofsky fits yes. Rodgers' style? Do you, think, do you think he's got the pace? I, I don't think well. I don't think pace is the main thing that he looks for. Do you remember Chris Kelly? You remember Chris Kelly scored about twenty six goals for Hibs. Aye, <laughs> right. And we signed him, and he was dross. Do you remember Scott McDonald scored all the goals for Motherwell, and we signed him, and he was excellent. Every signing comes with risk. I get your point, Nadir Chaffee as well. We shite, but that was a wee bit different because his record was never as good. But. I, <laughs> I James, think the thing is, mate, I think the thing is, do you believe in life after love? 
that's it. No matter how hard I try, you just keep pushing me away and I can't hold back. <laughs> oh, this needs to be a new thing in our group chat where we hate to get song titles into all these podcasts now. <laughs> oh, we're going to hate to fire that in. That's going to hate to happen. We'll just pick an artist each week and see how many is, there's so many song titles we can get in. I think the thing is, James, I totally agree with you. The sort of predicament. No, you don't. In, no, listen. <laughs> the, the, the sort of predicament we're in. I totally agree that we needed to. Like, I can understand what you're saying about us having to do that to get to get the over the line and win the league. All I'm trying to say is, that, like back in the summer window, I, I think we should be looking for better and we should be wanting to sign better than that. That that's it, and it's obviously well, I... just not been the case. I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. The recruitment, basically, the that whole argument there, I think the outcome of it is we all agree that the recruitment is shite. <laughs> aye, aye, that's it. That's totally it. I think, for me, that's been, what, three or four windows now? How many windows is it under this current recruitment team? Lolo was yeah. a chief scout and... Four. It was either four, four or that was the fifth. And, the, I mean, they've all been pretty much a disaster. Everybody looks at it. if the results are not happening on the pitch, the manager needs to go. Whatever, all the rest of it. The recruitment has been shocking, and I think that needs to get looked at. I think that's just been the biggest thing that I've noticed over the last few years. Everybody talks about the board and how we we should have buried the team across the city and all the rest of it, but the recruitment's been absolutely shocking, and I think that's 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 the bottom line. But at the same time, Rogers should be getting more out of this squad as well. Most of these players we signed in the summer would walk into an Aberdeen, a Hibs, a Hearts. So we should be fucking beating them as well anyway. But never mind, never mind. Lots in the chat. Everybody's been talking about how the debate's been magic tonight. Uh, lots and lots of love for everybody in the chat, so really appreciate it. Not as much love as uh, Gavin's classic Argentina shirts getting the night. That's got the most love in the Thank chat. More I've than got Maradona at the back. Maradona at the back. <laughs> Um, let's move on and let's uh, discuss Sunday. We're away to Fur Park. How are we feeling about it? Are we going to be one nil up with half an hour to go and everybody sitting with their arsehole going like, <laughs> like it has been the past few weeks, James? How are you feeling about the game? Nah, um, I think we'll have Hugo on his 10th by then. Um, nah, I'd, I'd honestly, I, I, I don't know because see at the same time, I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised, but I definitely would be surprised if we came out and romped at four or five, nothing. But I, I don't know, I think we're in for maybe the same close, touchy affair. Aye. Strange loves exactly like me, James, here. I disagree with James entirely, but I get his position at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it is a ridiculous statement, but it's true. Gavin, how are you feeling about the upcoming game? Do you think we're a bit expecting Jekyll or Hyde? Um, well, I would love to get some more let share references in here, but um, I'm, I'm, I, do you I believe? Really do you I, believe? I think, she, I think she's got one tune called "Strong Enough." Um, well, I think I think we are more confident playing away from home than at home right now, which is quite sad to see. Um, Motherwell, I think, have actually uh, had a, a bad run of form. I think they've had, in the last three games, I think they've had two defeats and one draw. But curiously enough, they've extended Kettlewell's contract by another 12 months. Um, is that right? That's funny. So for <laughs> Sunday... I've got confidence. I've got confidence that we'll win. Um, however, 
I've got some radical changes that I would make. I would put Maida on the left wing. And as I mentioned it earlier on, which is maybe maybe not the most ridiculous thing I've said tonight. I'm, I'm sure James would would, uh, <laughs> would have a, an opinion on it, but I would maybe even start James Forrest on the right. Maida on the left, James Forrest on the right. Palmer, look, he's got obvious quality, but right now it's not working for him. Maybe bring him, bring him on as an impact sub. Kuhn, Kuhn, we saw it from the goal that we conceded in stoppage time. He never tracked back. That is a cardinal sin. Like, if you're not producing quality, fair enough, but give me 100%. Give me effort. Track your man. Um, so I think Maida and Forrest, we can rely on them for, for having football intelligence. So I would do that. And I would put Idol on the bench and get Kyogo up front again. And for the midfield, yeah, Awata, Awata, McGregor, and O'Reilly. Let's fucking go for it. So you're and not prop skills. Prop, prop skills for Navrotsky. <laughs> oh, I thought you said Miofsky there, Navrotsky. <laughs> there's uh, there's Hunter's HR um, song where it's getting fired in the chat now, which I'm loving. Uh, James, what are you thinking about the squad? Do you think there's going to be big changes or do you think it's going to be much the same? Oh, I, I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I think it's the hardest one to predict. Um, I think I want a welcome back in. Um, so I'd go Hart, uh, Greg Taylor, Scales. Do you bring Carter Vickers back in or do you leave it another week? I'd probably bring him back in. Um, if no Carter, Carter Vickers or Nivrotsky, if Vickers isn't fit enough. Um, right back. If I'm being honest, I was going to say I'll stick with Alston, but he didn't cover his selling goal with Corey last weekend. I'll probably stick with him just in case because we seem to rush players back in the route for even longer. You know? uh, midfield will be Awata, McGregor, O'Reilly. <sighs> Mate, there's a part of me that says, you know, some just go Oida and Kyogo and just say, do what you want because <laughs> it's something we've no seen all season. But I think he'll go Palma, Kyogo. And I actually think he'll bring in James Forrest as well because the rest of them are hopeless and I think he'll turn around to James Forrest and say, I got you, babe. You're back in the team. Just go out there and... Fucking uh... yes, man. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <not> so... <laughs> so I think I think that'll be the forward line. Forrest, Kyogo and Palmer. That's interesting. Neither of, you have, um... Neither of you think that they're going to go with Ida and Kyogo up top. Do you think you just think it's not worked? I just think after the back of the Kilmarnock game, as I say, look, I, I, me and Andrew, a couple of weeks ago, we sat on here and both strongly said right. that we needed Kyogo in the 10. But um, we also did say that because we need to try something. We need exactly, to try something yeah. different. And he has, he's tried it. It's maybe no work. Mm-hmm. And as I say, that, that's... I, I, don't, I'm not even trying to be funny when I say that. Like, that is the genuine thinking behind me saying, you know, some the wingers are not great. They've not been great like the last wee while. Just stick Kyogo Oneida up front. Just say, go and do what you want. Just for <laughs> honestly, just for something a bit different. Because regardless if it's Palma, Forest, Maida, it's gonna be much of a muchness, really, isn't it? And they don't really do a lot, if we're being totally honest. But I think it will be. Um, Palma and in fact no because he hooked Palma at half time so would they start him the next game I'd personally start him but I don't know if he will but it I will think be, it's going I... to be interesting after that performance yeah. it's going to be interesting to line up anyway I think, and I think there might be a couple of surprises in there yeah Aye. yeah 
if, if I could turn back time, I wouldn't have said, <laughs> I wouldn't have said Kuhn. Is it happening? I think he's got, I think personally he's got to start Kuhn and say, fucking, look, we've spent money and you need to prove what you're doing here and go and fucking do something because he's, he's shown absolutely nothing in the, the time he's been here so far. But are you, what, are you got any score predictions? What, are, are we confident in a win? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think two one three one. Yeah. To who? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I said one nothing on the predictor, and I think that's that's a one in a clean sheet. I think that's about as positive as, as I'm going to get tonight. That is proper positive for you to be fair. I don't know. There's <laughs> <laughs> Stephen saying agreed with many your points, but oh, Kyle Garida, Tony Mowbray. Um. <laughs> Aye, I think we'll get the win as well, but I say that every week and it's not been brilliant <laughs> recently, but at least we've had fun tonight. I've really appreciated it. Really, really great debate. Everybody in the comments has been superb. Really enjoyed the debate. Um, so aye, I hope you have a good weekend, boys, and everybody in the chat. Hope you have a great weekend. Hopefully we're not sitting here misery again on Monday and there's a good result uh, for the boys at Fur Park. Um, all the best. Thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll see you Monday. Cheers. Hail, hail. Thank you. Good night.